The folders were printed in bright colors, the names out of an antique past. The Holy Land, Jerusalem, Damascus, the walls of Jericho. The rose-red city half as old as time. The thin blue-veined hands held the circulars spread out like a deck of cards. Of course I'm dying to go, Dinah had heard herself saying. Haven't you had years in which to indoctrinate me? I'm as crazy as you are. He had dropped the travel folders on his desk and looked up, his keen brown eyes searching. Then he grinned. The wide, cheeky smile sat incongruously on his ascetic features. But it was an expression of that side of a father she loved best. Fine, he said briskly. And don't bother sending me postcards, will you? Can't abide the things. I won't keep a diary either she promised, and her own grin was a reflection of his. The sunset was fading now into a haze of soft lavender. Dinah propped her elbows more firmly on the rail. The tour through the region her father had made his particular study would never have occurred if the miracle hadn't happened first. Bless Frau Schmidt, or whatever her name was, Frau something, without doubt— for it was the happy consequence of her marital status that had given Dinah the chance so many young singers dreamed of. Not that the local opera house of Heidelsberg was Salzburg or the Met, but it was a beginning, a real professional job, and it could be a stepping stone to more exciting places. Dinah knew she was lucky to have the chance. There weren't that many openings, and the competition was keen. If her voice teacher hadn't happened to know the director, if she hadn't sung for Herr Brown when he was last in the States, he had remembered her when Frau Schmidt discovered, right in the middle of the season, that she was about to become a mother. Luckily, motherhood as a cause for retirement had advantages over more abrupt accidents. It would be another month before Frau Schmidt reached such proportions that she couldn't bow during curtain calls. Heidelsberg, Germany. Dinah wished, not for the first time, that her German were better. She had the trained ear that a singer must have, and could render Wagner and Weber and the magic flute with every umlaut in place. But her vocabulary was limited. The gods of the Nibelunglied do not come naturally into a conversation. She smiled to herself, recalling the librettos she knew. Zu Hilfe, zu Hilfe, sonst bin ich verloren, der listigen Schlang zum Opfer erkoren. The opening tenor recitative in her favorite Mozart opera had always struck her as particularly hilarious. Now, in the veiling darkness of her balcony, she forgot herself and gave it a little too much angst. From the next room came a gasp and a giggle and Dinah, blushing furiously, retired in haste to her own room. She had forgotten that the darkened room next door, whose balcony adjoined hers, might be inhabited. She hoped the inhabitants knew their Mozart. A female voice bellowing about serpents pursuing her would be doubly startling out of the dark if one didn't know the source. It was frustrating, though, not being able to practice. 
When she let it out, Dinah's voice was astounding, particularly when emerging from her modest five-foot-two frame. The effect was bad enough at home, where her father averred that it rattled all the glasses in the cupboard. Here, in a hotel whose walls were not of the thickest, it would be cause for expulsion. Even now, Dinah could hear a mutter of speech from the next room, not the room she had startled by her anxiety about serpents, but the one on the other side. A man's voice, this one, speaking so softly that she couldn't identify the language, except to know that it wasn't English. Dinah pushed her chair back so that her ear rested against the wall. A gargle, a gurgle, and a glottal stop. Arabic. They didn't seem to be swearing or praying, since her knowledge of the language was limited to phrases of that sort, plus the essential guidebook inquiries about railroad stations and toilets. She couldn't understand a word. She reached for the guide bleu, which lay on the bedside table. If she couldn't amuse herself, she might as well improve her mind. Before she could open the book, the outer door began to vibrate, and Dinah hurried to answer the impassioned knocking. It sounded like the fists of an impatient lover who was yearning for the arms of his mistress. But Salwa, as she herself boasted, believed in expressing her feelings without reserve. Salwa was the chambermaid. She was also a student at the American University of Beirut, and the daughter of a poor but honest merchant of the city. She was the only friend Dinah had made in Beirut, which was not too bad, considering that her sojourn so far had only lasted a little over twenty-four hours. When Salwa loved, she did so with the impetuosity of a generous heart. She had told Dinah this herself, and proved it by loving Dinah. Ah, you are present! Exclaimed Salwa, darting in. I think you are gone to to see the town. Dinah suggested, as Salwa had carefully explained, the chance to practice her languages was the only reason why she had taken a menial job at the Hotel Mediterranee. See the town, her pupil repeated. I am come to make of the bed. Just make the bed. The herb is not necessary. Vraiment? But it seems that a word before the bed is necessary. Salwa's French was much better than her English, and she resorted to it when the other tongue failed. As she spoke, she rushed around the room, swabbing aimlessly at the porcelain surfaces in the bathroom, and twitching the bed covers back. Finding Dinah's white pajamas under the pillow, she held them up and shook her head. It is not glamorous," she said sadly. "Where did you learn that word? Screen stories, les autres,、uh, the other of the same. Always, I am read these to improve the English. The negligee, the gown of the night. In the screen stories, it is glamorous. This, the nylon, long, beautiful. It show all, all of the body through." Une jeune fille belle et petite to wear this. Her expression of disgust as she waved the tailored pajamas made Dinah laugh. Chacun a son goût, she said. I'm afraid you have a very distorted idea about America, Salwa. Comment? Never mind. Sit down if you have a minute. Salwa did. She seemed to have plenty of time. 
Dinah wondered when she did the work for which she was being paid, but she didn't really care. Salwa wanted to hear about the United States, and Dinah wanted to talk about life in Lebanon. Frequently, the conversation degenerated into laughter and small talk. Salwa was only two or three years younger than Dinah, and her sense of humor was as keen as her snapping black eyes. Dinah was fascinated by the attitudes of the educated young women of these countries, whose mothers and grandmothers for generations back had spent their lives in harems. Salwa tried to teach Dinah some Arabic in exchange for English lessons, and was delighted at her new friend's facility. Dinah tried to explain that a good ear was part of a singer's basic equipment, and that she had been trained to imitate sounds. But Salwa, who had tried to teach other visitors, regarded Dinah's talent as magical. Dinah, who had memorized opera parts and half a dozen languages, found no difficulty in learning the ornate Arabic phrases. Soon the two girls could converse for several minutes in exquisitely phrased sentences, though one of them understood only one word in ten. The old bitch will chase me when I do not do other rooms, Salwa said finally, rising with reluctance. That is not a nice word to use, said Dinah, true to her training. Privately she agreed with the description, having that morning seen the housekeeper in a rage. She was a sharp-nosed, gray-haired Swiss woman who looked like a witch out of Grimm. No, but a good word. Bonne nuit, good night, schlafen Sie wohl. The room seemed very quiet when she was gone, and Dinah went back to her chair and her guidebook with a certain lack of enthusiasm. The guide was that excellent volume devoted to Middle East.